Matthew 18. I mentioned we're going to be in Matthew. Matthew 18. Who remembers the verses that we've been looking at for the last two weeks? Matthew 18. Yep, Matthew 18, 18, 19, and 20. Let me read them to you. Please follow along as I read to you Matthew 18, 18 through 20. Verily I say unto you, this is Jesus speaking to his disciples, Whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done of them, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Just a little bit of review. We saw in this, these three verses, the idea of a prayer meeting. Where did we get the idea of prayer from? What word do we get the idea of prayer from? Ask. See, if, um, see, if two of you shall agree on, in, on earth as touching anything that they shall ask. There's the idea of prayer. They're praying. They're asking God for something. And then where do we get the idea that it's a meeting? Yeah, two or three are gathered. So it's not just one person. Your personal prayer life is important. I hope you take time, you make time every day to pray. But it's equally important that we gather to pray. That's what this text is telling us. Yes, go pray in your closet. Yes. And meet together to pray as well. And that's what we're focused on is prayer meeting dynamics. What does it mean? Why do we gather to pray? We could just make this another preaching time, sing a few songs. I preach to you, get you guys all riled up and you go home and forget what I said. But... We're not doing that. We're taking time to pray because prayer matters and because God calls us to pray as a group. Now, we started a couple weeks ago, uh, point number one, what is the primary purpose of prayer? Why is it that we pray at all, much less pray as a group? What is it that we are trying to do in prayer? Who remembers? We're asking. Well, what are we asking for? For everything, anything. We, we could ask for anything. You're right. I could ask for anything. I could ask for polygamy to be allowed so I could get another wife. Uh, well, you said anything. Why did I, for I am being extreme to emphasize a point. We are not just asking for anything. We're asking for something, a very specific set of things. And what are they? Yeah. What God's will is. I like how verse 18 starts. It says, anything you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Anything you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And what he's telling us is our prayers have an impact on what goes on in heaven. So again, we're not just praying for whatever suits us. We're, we're trying to discern what is God's will? What is he doing? And let's pray for that. Okay, that was the first point. Related to that is when we, and, and, and this is where we are, that's true when I pray personally, when we pray corporately, we're praying for God's will to be done. We can pray for anything and God wants us to pray in faith. We also want to pray according to his will. Now, when we gather in prayer, that adds an added dimension. And that is we can unite in praying for the same thing. When I'm praying all by myself, I don't even know what my wife prays for when she prays personally. 
I don't, she doesn't know what I pray for, but when we pray together, guess what? I hear what she prays for. She hears what I pray for. And sometimes I say, boy, Christy, you know, you mentioned this specific prayer, the specific request of the Lord. That's an excellent request. I'm going to start praying for that too. And now we're united in praying for the same um, aspect of God's will. And that unity is in, pr- in prayer is important because, why, okay, why is that unity in prayer important? I was going to give away the answer, but let me review with you. Why is that unity in prayer important? Sarah's going to get together with some other ladies tonight, and they're going to be praying. Maybe Sarah mentions a specific request, and some of you ladies pick up on that, and you say, yes, Lord, we're praying for, and you mention the same thing that Sarah mentions. Uh, I'm thinking uh, of the, the, the prayer, prayer we've been praying for her mother to find a church there in Oklahoma. And you say, yep, I'm going to agree with you in prayer. I'm going to pray for that too. Why is that significant? Maybe I need to go back and reteach the lesson. Matt. Amen. There's a, there's a unity in prayer that leads to rejoicing when God answers our prayer. But there's something about the Holy Spirit that he's doing when we agree in prayer. Who remembers what I said? Yes, yeah, Sarah. Yep. <laughs> it does. When the Holy Spirit... Leads us to agree in prayer. It confirms that the Holy Spirit is leading us. And we want to pray in the Spirit. Uh, Ephesians 6.18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Well, how do we know we're praying in the Spirit? One evidence, I'm not saying this is the only evidence, nor is this always evidence, but one evidence that we're praying in the Spirit is that we agree in prayer. You pray and I say, wow, amen. That's what I pray for too. And we can only agree in prayer if we are praying corporately. We can't agree in prayer if I'm praying privately because I don't know what you're praying for and you don't know what I'm praying for. Now, again, I'm not saying don't pray privately. Yes, pray privately. But that's what makes these prayer meetings exciting. As Matt mentioned, I can pray privately for something and see it happen and then share it with you and you can get excited. But how much more exciting it is when you're agreeing with me in prayer, we're praying together for something, God answers it, And we see the Holy Spirit leading us. So, this also promotes, united prayer promotes unity in a church. What phrase did we see several times in the book of Acts that indicated the unity that they were in as they prayed? They prayed in one accord, right? Doesn't mean they were all in a small Honda car. Means they prayed together for the same things. And so it promotes unity. Now, that's where we're going to pick it up tonight. Because, no, we're going to go, we're going to get there to unity in a second. But let's pick it up here. Prayer. So, number one, we said prayer is the church's means of accomplishing God's will. Number two, when we agree in prayer, we can see the leading of the Holy Spirit. Number three, that promotes unity. Number four now. Prayer meetings are a church's way of solving problems and overcoming obstacles. Prayer, then, because we're trying to accomplish God's will, unified together, led by the Holy Spirit in our prayers, praying becomes the church's way of solving problems and overcoming obstacles. Every church has problems and every church has obstacles. Our church is no different. How are we going to solve those? Let's, let's back up for a second 
What are some wrong ways that t- churches, I'm talking about groups of people, not individuals, what is one, one uh, wrong way that churches often uh, go about trying to solve their problems when they've got problems and struggles? What's, what's a misdirection? Yeah, let's have a new committee. What we need is more people. Let's get a group of people together. We'll talk about this problem. Now, again, I'm not against committees, and sometimes it helps to get a group of people together and talk about the problem. But just getting people together isn't going to solve the problem as much as united prayer is. Thank you. That's right. One of the misdirections. What's another misdirection? Yes. Say that again. Yeah, gossip. We're going to get to that at the end tonight, Lord willing. But yeah, gossip. What's another misdirection? Yes. Yeah, people say, well, you see the problem this way, you go have your group. Oh, you see the problem this way, you're going to go have your group. Satan is actively working to divide us. We need to realize that. Um, People irritate me just like I irritate you. And sometimes, you know, you just want to say, can you go find another church? That's not the solution. Well, sometimes it is, but not, not usually the solution. Just because somebody irritates you, just because you can't agree, doesn't mean you need to divide. Sometimes churches basically give up and they just say, well, we're just never going to solve this problem, so why try? What, what God wants us to do is catch a vision for what he's trying to accomplish and pray according to his will, and then we will see our problem solved. Here's a couple of the problems, though, that we're going to find in a church, in our church included, Elmira Baptist Church, that we're going to need to pray about. And one is when we find sin in the camp. Who's the classic Old Testament example of of withholding God's blessing because he sinned. Not everybody sinned, but that one man's sin kept the people of God from accomplishing God's will for the group. Achan. Achan. God said when they went into Jericho, don't take this stuff for yourself. This, is, this whole city is going to be devoted to me. They were to give it to God's a tabernacle. But Achan saw a, a wedge of gold, some pieces of silver, and, and a good-looking uh, piece of clothing. And he said, I'm going to take this for myself. And because he did that, when they went to Ai, what happened? They were defeated. Now, I'm not aware of any sin in Elmira Baptist Church that needs to be exposed and dealt with, so don't, don't get nervous. But there may become a time when we've got to expose sin and we've got to confess it. And when are we going to do that? We're going to do that in a prayer meeting and ask God to forgive us and to set us on the right track. Remember, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to uh, forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we don't do penance. We don't feel bad. You know, we don't hang our heads and say, well, just God can't use me anymore. We're going to confess it and move on. But sometimes sin is one of those problems that we have to expose and confess and move on with. Here's another problem that we have to uh, deal with, and that is offenses in the church. I'm not saying necessarily a sin, not something we can point to the Bible and say, you did wrong, but can we ever offend each other and that hinder our prayers? Yeah. And the answer, again, is not to divide the church. The answer is not to take sides. The answer is for me to go to God in prayer and say, hey, God, I've had a bad attitude towards so-and-so. I've been bitter toward them, or I've been angry at them. I've been irritated with them. Forgive me. Give me grace to, to put aside this, this disunity so we can be united in prayer. I'm going to mention these things again, these t- two things on Sunday night. 
Because if there's any offenses in Elmira Baptist Church, I wouldn't be aware of them. If I was, I would have already approached you. There's offenses. It can keep God from answering our prayers. And again, the answer isn't, you know, okay, Matt, you come up here and apologize to Sarah. Sarah, you go back. I'm not, that's not how we deal with offenses. By the way, the strategy for dealing with offenses is mentioned in Matthew 18. You notice that, don't you? Matthew 18, 16 is where if you, if your brother offends him, you go to him. Because offenses can keep God from answering our prayers. Years ago, this is oh, 20 years ago now, maybe longer. I, I showed up at a church. I'd been there a couple times, so, so they knew me pretty well. But I showed up at this church, and, and uh, one of the fellas uh, said to me, can you go tell this lady over there that she's doing this thing and, and, and she needs to do it differently? And I thought, and I'm being vague on purpose because I don't know who's watching. But I said, okay. So I went over to the lady and I said, hey, um, you know, I don't think you're handling this well. Why don't, why don't you do it this way? I was trying to be helpful, by the way. You know what I would, would say today, if you asked me to go to someone who's bothering me, I would say, why don't you go with, to that person? You talk to them. I found out later this fella had not talked to this lady in years. And they were both members of the same church. Now, there's some people I haven't talked to in years because, I mean, they live in a different state and we just don't see each other that much. Can you imagine being a member of Elmira Baptist Church and not having talked to someone, uh, going out of your way to avoid someone for years? If there's someone at our church that you're avoiding talking to because you're offended by them, the answer is here in Matthew 18 as well. Verse 15, I said verse 16, verse 15. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. Why is it important that we deal with these offenses? Because it will prevent us from being united in prayer. So again, I'm not aware of any offenses. Not saying that you, there's someone here and I'm preaching to you. Trust me, if I thought you had a problem, I'd just come to you and say, hey, here's your problem. But I do want to put it out there. Because even in a church, a good church like Elmira Baptist Church, there may be some offenses out there. And instead of hiding them, instead of, you know, pretending that it's not a problem, we just need to, to, to talk it out. Notice what he says in Philippians chapter 2, Philippians chapter 4, verse 2. Philippians is a good church, Right? But he says in Philippians 4, verse 2, I beseech you, Odious, and I beseech Syntyche, that they be of the same mind in the Lord. He doesn't say any more than that, so we can't really say exactly what they disagreed about, but somehow there was a disagreement there. And Paul, when he was writing to the church, said, hey, you two, you need to figure it out, and you need to be of the same mind in the Lord. Because we can't be united in prayer if we have these offenses that we're holding on to. And I mentioned that oftentimes the enemy is working, diligently working to divide us and to bring up offenses. Now, when it comes to this point of solving problems and overcoming obstacles, I mentioned when we began this study that this is the offensive weapon that we have, the list of the armor of God includes uh, the uh, uh, gospel boots, I call them, uh, the, the, belt of righteous, uh, the, the belt of truth, excuse me, the shield of faith, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation. There's two offensive weapons, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God and prayer. We, I think everyone in this room would agree there's things about 
uh, the direction that our nation is going that really bother us and the direction our state is going that really bother us, the direction that things are going in our community that really bother us. And the answer is prayer. That's why we're going to spend some time on Sunday praying. The answer is not to just throw our hands up and say, well, you know, I I don't know what we can do about this. Let's go have another potluck. No, the answer is to spend time praying, both personally and as a group. So that's what we're going to do tonight. That's what we're going to do again on Sunday. So what are some, we, we said prayer is a means of accomplishing God's will. We're, we're, we're talking now about solving problems and overcoming obstacles. The two obstacles that we need to overcome are sin and offenses in the group. What are some general prayer requests that we know God wants to, God wants to honor? What are some ways that we're going to direct our prayers? And I want to give you three things. There's a lot of things, but there's three things in particular I want to encourage us to pray for. Number one is the salvation of souls for people to be saved. Giving the gospel is critical. We, we can't expect people to respond to the gospel unless we preach it to them. As we preach the gospel, we need to be praying. Not just preaching the gospel. And I, I know some people that are really good at, a, uh, at using a system. And, and, and I'm, I'm, all, I'm all for knowing how to lead people to Jesus Christ. Additionally, you need to pray. Don't expect that you're going to talk people into getting saved. I need a better system, Pastor. Well, you, you, again, you do need to know the gospel. You do need to be able to lead someone from a point of sinfulness and, and rejection of God to faith in Jesus Christ. Don't get me wrong. But you also need to pray. So we're going to pray for the salvation of souls. I want you to pray, too, as we pray tonight, as we pray Sunday. I want you to pray for the equipping of the saints that God would change who we are from the inside out. Maybe some of you have been in churches where there's a lot of pressure to conform to a list of rules so that you appear a certain way. You know, everyone needs, all the men need to wear ties. And uh, everyone needs to do this, and everyone shouldn't do that. And everyone should bring a, a Bible and tuck it under their left arm. You know, and, and, and so everyone gets really good at doing what's expected of them. We want to change from the inside out, not by putting pressure on you to conform you to an outside model. We want want you to be conformed from the inside out. If that's going to happen, it's going to require prayer. Prayer for our children, prayer for each other, prayer for the young people in our church, prayer for the old people in our church, prayer for the middle-aged people in our church. Prayer. We need to be praying that God would equip the saints who would change us from the inside out. Here's a third thing that I want us to pray for, and that is for the, for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Now, this is a, the Holy Spirit is a, is a person, so we don't control him. He's not like a light switch. We flip it on and we flip it off and we tell him, you go over here and, and you go over there. But when the, when the people in, in Jerusalem were praying, before the day of Pentecost, Jesus had ascended up into heaven And he said to them, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 14, it says they were all in one place praying together. What do you think they were praying for? Do you think they were praying for the sick person to get well? I don't think so. Now, I'm not saying they didn't, but it just doesn't seem like that that was 
the first thought on their mind. Do you think they were praying for Herod to die suddenly? By the way, Herod did die suddenly. But again, I don't think that was what their focus was. Do you think they were praying for better jobs? By the way, pray for a job. Don't, I'm not making fun. I'm not being sarcastic. I'm just saying, what do you think they were praying for? Jesus said, ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. I think that's burned in their brains and they're thinking we've got to have the Holy Spirit. Now we know, turn with me to Acts chapter 4. We can see what they were praying for in Acts chapter 4. We're going to look at verse 29, verses 29 and 30. We looked at these a couple weeks ago, so they should be familiar to you. Just to catch you up on the story, they had just been threatened. Remember that fella, he had been lame from birth. He says, hey, do you have any alms? Peter, John say, no, we don't have any money, but we got something better than that. In the name of Jesus Christ, stand up and walk. And he stands up, he's jumping around, he's so excited. Everyone sees that this man is immediately healed. It gathers a crowd, and what does Peter preach to the crowd? Preaches Jesus Christ. And that really offends the religious leaders. They get upset. They send soldiers, they take Peter and John into custody, and they say, hey, you've got to quit preaching in the name of Jesus. Go ahead and talk. Go ahead and tell people your Old Testament interpretation. Well, they wouldn't have said that because they didn't see it as the Old Testament. But, but don't preach in the name of Jesus. They leave that meeting where they've been threatened. They meet with the church. And in verse 29, Acts chapter 4, verse 29, here's what they're praying. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. By stretching forth thine hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child, Jesus. They prayed for boldness, and they prayed that they would do the miracles they did in the name of Jesus. The very thing they had just been told, don't do that anymore. Verse 31, and when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God with boldness. It was an immediate answer to their prayers. We're going to pray for the salvation of souls. We're going to pray for the equipping of the saints and we're going to pray for that outpouring of the Spirit that that is, is noticeable, that other people see it and say, those people are different. Not so that we can go around saying, yeah, we're different. Yeah, I'm so different. No, because we need the Holy Spirit to fill us if we're going to make an impact in the United States. I'll be frank, um, I grew up in churches, so even late 70s, I remember, remember as a little boy going to church and putting on my suit. My mother even made me a little suit with a vest for a while, and so I wore this vest. And I mean, these are church, good churches, I, I don't doubt, but I get the very distinct feeling that the reason that America has morally slid downhill over the last four decades is because we've had a lot of churches that sang a lot of good songs and did a lot of good preaching, but we lack the Holy Spirit. The reason that Christians in Acts were able to turn the world upside down is because they had the Holy Spirit. So we're going to pray for that, for the outpouring of the Spirit. Now, the last thing I want to warn you about, the last thing I want to warn you about is that prayer meetings are a prime target of the enemy. Why does Satan, this is not a rhetorical question, think with me, why does our adversary, why does Satan want to attack our times of prayer? Yes, AJ. Yes. Yes. 
Yep, preemptive strike. Let's take out the airplanes, right? Let's uh, fire at their artillery batteries. We'll just we'll just take away their their attack capability. That's Satan's plan. There's a couple ways he does it. I, I, I experienced this even this morning as I set aside time to pray. He tries to distract us as we pray, especially when we're just by ourselves. We're praying privately, and there's so many things. I, I, I my heart goes out to you, mothers. How do you pray when you've got toddlers running around at your feet? I, I don't know. You you. You need a lot of prayer yourself. I get that. But a lot of us don't have that excuse, and I'm still distracted. For me, it's the cats. <laughs> We're still distracted. Satan loves to distract us when we pray. We talked about sin and offenses. I don't know about you. I can get so bitter when I pray. I'm praying for someone, and that, it just makes me mad that God wants me to pray for my enemies. <laughs> Next thing I know, I'm angry. Boy, Satan, he'll try every trick in the book. When we gather together, one of the um, uh, weapons, one of the attacks that Satan makes, and, and David mentioned this one, is gossip. We, instead of sharing a request in a way that, that is honoring to the Lord and gives everyone the information they need in order to pray effectively, really what we want to do is talk about that person over there. <laughs> and do you know what they did? And then they did this, and then they did that. I can't even believe it. Sometimes we overshare when we pray. And don't worry, just be led by the Spirit. Um, from time to time, as somebody's sharing a request, my wife and I were talking about this, I'll say to that person, you know what, let's stop right there. We know how to pray for that person, because that's the tendency. Another tendency we have when we gather to pray, as we hear about other people's spiritual needs, is to feel that smug superiority of, I would never do that. Boy, pride goes before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. God resists the proud. He gives grace to the humble. Yeah, it's easy to think, well, pff, I would never do that. Listen, that's not what prayer is about. We don't share requests so I can feel superior, spiritually superior to other people. So these are some of the ways that Satan will, will attack our, our own prayer meetings. And just be careful. Again, if I thought you were doing this, I'd just come to you privately and say, hey, don't do this. But just be aware of that. As you meet in groups of three or four to pray, and there's some extra sharing going on. That's good. I want you to share in those smaller groups. Oftentimes, we can share some things that we can't share to the whole church. Please do that. But don't make it a gossip session. Don't feel morally, spiritually superior. I, I would never do that. And then earnestly pray for those people. We're going to, we're going to stop there um, tonight.